It's a film with three brains. 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 His whole life is making this one film. You, you have two hours tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and be an extra in a film. You get your name on the credits, man, as a producer. And of course, there'll be a whole crowd of people here, so we gotta make like a line where people can't go, have a hell of a lot of assistant directors saying, hey, hey, could you step back like five feet? All of the extras have just fell through, except for Mike Shank right there. We used to uh, do a lot of partying together, but I don't party anymore. <laughs> hey, Mike, make sure everyone has brown gloves. Does everyone have brown gloves? Oh, dude, dude, dude. I'm broke, man. I gotta get gas tomorrow. And dude's talking about making a feature film. Uh, the name of the film is Coven. Coven, Coven. Uh, Coven, uh, that's the proper pronunciation. No, no, Coven sounds like oven, man, and that's just, it doesn't work. Oh, now I see there's a frame there. Oh, no. What are you talking about, Ma? Check it out when you look at the scarecrows. Oh, I mean, you get it? Within weeks, the film will be cut, finished for multiple sales. What do you think about that? Multiple sales to whom? This whole thing is turning into a theatrical mockery. Do you understand that, Mike? No. <laughs> well, you will. Would you buy this movie for $14.95? Hell yeah, man. I if I can it. find 3,000 people like you across this country, man, I'm in business. Howdy. This is the film with three brains, and I am Cohen in Maplewood, New Jersey. And I am Sean in Chicago, just outside of Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Keep going. Thanks. <laughs> now people know because Wisconsin is the center of the universe. Oh, it's just right. outside. Yeah, that little town, Chicago. <laughs> Great. I'm Sam. It doesn't matter where I am because it's not near Wisconsin. <laughs> you are the furthest away from Wisconsin of all of us. True. All right. Anyway, uh, well, why did it's I mention fun. Wisconsin? <laughs> I don't know. It's funny because we're about to talk about a movie that's in Wisconsin. Oh. Yes, we are talking about an American movie documentary that takes place in Milwaukee, or just outside of Milwaukee. What is it? Mon Menominee Falls. Menominee Falls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you guys remember the Ernie von Schleyhorn commercials, the jingles <laughs> from when we were kids? No. Oh, I can't man. get it out of my head. Ernie von Schleithorn, Main Street, and Menominee Falls. It's a car dealership. And Menominee Falls? Does it go up like that? Uh, no. Okay. No. It goes down Main Street and Menominee Falls. All right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> this is important. No, it's not. I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, American movie. A uh, documentary about a, 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 an aspiring filmmaker named Mark Borchard. And his uh, exploits trying to get a feature film made and in, in turn actually getting a short film made first to try and raise funding to make his feature film. He's a colorful character. Um, quite quirky. Uh, quite I driven. Yeah, pretty driven, which is strange because he doesn't really have a real job. <laughs> and he has children, which I thought was odd. 
Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. So, uh, if you guys, you guys, I assume you guys have seen this, right? Oh yeah. It, it made a pretty mm-hmm. big splash, and was it ninety nine when it came out? Yep. It's like this and the Blair Witch Project were the two big ones that came out of um, Sundance. Yeah, Sundance. Mm. Um, I've seen it several times, but I realized watching it that it's been a few years since it's definitely been in several years since I've seen it. I probably watched it. I mean, I have the DVD and I'm sure I've watched it. it I don't know, maybe 10 times, but it's been a long time since the last time. Yeah. How about you guys? I, I, I go ahead. I saw it so, when it came, like when it came out and then that was it. Hmm. Yeah. I'm um, at two, two times. Wow. Huh. I'm surprised by that. Well, documentaries are hard to keep going back to. Yeah, but I feel like this one's so so different from most documentaries. I mean, I, I don't recall. I'm trying to imagine another documentary that makes me laugh this much. <laughs> but I can't. Yeah. Certainly not the... Um... The Werner Herzog one wasn't as funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Grizzly Man was a laugh riot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I, the only reason I'm surprised because I still I still find it so amusing. Like it just kills me. I think it's hilarious. Okay, but you're not little, the only one little... who thinks that. Right. Like, I'm not. If you go like, there are different documentary film this is going to surprise you there are different documentary film websites <gasps> yeah. oh. and one of them puts this movie as the funniest documentary ever made oh hmm. so it's and not the second document is second one who we mentioned before is an errol morris film that i haven't seen um called tabloid oh i haven't wait have i seen that hmm is that old? Like, it is a 2011. Old? No, it's okay. not. Yeah, it's not so, that yeah. old. I don't know if I I'm saw that see. one. Yeah. There um, was a time where I would watch any Errol Morris movie that came out. I would still watch any. I mean, because The Fog of War, Thin Blue Line, uh, we mentioned Fast Cheap Out of Control. They're all great. Like, yeah. He hasn't failed mm-hmm. me yet, you know? Mm-hmm. It's on a former Miss Wyoming who was charged with abducting and imprisoning a more young Mormon missionary. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and they put Bowling for Columbine as number three. Hmm. hmm. The Aristocrats, that was one that was people really liked. <laughs> that that's pretty, pretty funny. funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> but I mean, that's basically a documentary about comedy. That's... Yes. It's a little different. Yes. I like that one because it's so inside baseball. And it's all, all the comedians <laughs> telling the joke to each other. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I forgot about that actually. Anyway, right. I'll stop anyway, interrupting your American movie. Um, do I need to provide any more context? Do you think? Well, what was the movie he was making? All right. Uh, well, it was called Coven. Um, <laughs> not not Coven. Not Coven. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, <laughs> he thought it sounded like oven and sounded stupid, so he called it Coven. I don't know. So for anyone out there who hasn't seen this, the the main character, Mark Borchard, is is in an unusual fella, I suppose you could put it. He has a very he's an interesting interesting way of expressing himself. In one moment he sounds extremely eloquent and intelligent, and another moment he sounds like a fucking moron. 
it's such a strange dichotomy, you know. Do you think he has a psychiatric problem? No, not necessarily. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I'm, did he he quit high school? Yeah, he dropped out of high school. Okay, because he was making a movie or something. Or? He just because no, he, he wasn't learning he, anything. He wasn't learning. Anything. Oh yeah, that's right. He said he wasn't learning anything. And he took some <laughs> he took some classes at the University of Wisconsin Milwaukee, and that's where he that's where Chris Smith, the director of this, uh, the co director with Sarah Price, met him. I read a couple different com- com- uh, competing uh, competing uh, a couple different stories about how they met, but then I read one that was actually an interview with Chris Smith, and he said. He was teaching a class at the university, and Mark Borcher was in it. Oh. And at one point after class, they were outside and they met for the first time. And Mark Borcher was, he said, clearly drunk <laughs> and was telling him that that weekend he was going to go to the Toronto Film Festival so he could uh, have dinner with Roger Ebert or something. <laughs> and Chris Smith had just finished making his uh, previous film called American Job and he had a bunch of film left and he asked Mark Borchardt if he could go with him and film it. He was just going to film the weekend but it turned out, I don't know, you know, he just felt like he struck gold and so he stuck it out and made a whole, he wasn't looking to make a documentary at all he just thought Mark Borchardt was such a colorful character that he wanted to get him on film for a while and see how, you know, see what happened and then obviously American Movie happened huh. which is interesting uh, yeah, that I mean, that's I think the thing about this is is for anyone who is making a documentary, which is a lot of people, is r- realizing which person it is. Yeah, is is the one who struck gold, and he. Yeah, it's yeah. not, and it's not like his buddies aren't <laughs> interested in their own way too. Right, right, sure. Yeah. But and his family, but as someone who considers myself like fairly normal surrounded by fairly normal people like there is no one in my life who i'm like this guy reminds me of so and so like you just you're like this guy is his own in his own universe yeah and and, but part of it too is like a lot of people can be crazy but they're relatively silent crazy or like you have to draw it out and they're not like super (laughs) expressive in your face crazy with yeah. their ideas, like unabashedly, it, it kind yeah. of in a, in a weird way, it kind of reminded me of listening to uh, Kanye West. Um, uh, oh boy! <laughs> no, um, Go ahead. Not, and I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the little tweets and that. I'm talking about if you've if you've um, ever if you try to listen to the uh, less uh, um, what's his last name. Uh, the podcaster West does oh does podcast. all the in- interviews. Um, uh, Les. Uh, so you're saying that Friedman? It's Lex Friedman. Oh, that's it. it. Yes. Okay. okay. I don't know if you guys ever listen to him. A lot of people no. do, but if you can just listen to the first twenty minutes for that interview, it goes on for like two hours. You will hear Kanye West say some really crazy stuff, some things that sound really eloquent and thought out. And it kind of has this speech pattern of, like, if you listen to it long enough, you, you start to wonder, like, is this guy, you know, bipolar or schizophrenic or mm-hmm. he's somewhere bipolar, in, that, in that range? Um, and Mark has that same sort of thing where, where he can say some things that you put together, string, you know, a couple sentences. You're like, hey, that's really insightful. 
or yeah. that's you know that's that's really great. And then he can he can go and do something that's so ridiculously dumb that you're like, I can't believe this is the same person. Like I yeah. can't. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and without the alcohol, the alcohol doesn't help him. That's for certain. He becomes yeah. a jerk, you know, when, he, when he's drinking the alcohol a few times in the movie that you're just like, yeah. oh, you know, you're treating people like crap. You know, you're treating your mom like crap. Um, but yeah, when I was listening to it, I was like, I was like, this isn't, this isn't someone who's just like excited about making a movie. This is someone who's got something really wrong. Like he, he can't, <laughs> he can't fit in society anywhere. Like and, and some people can do it and be really successful and still never fit in, like Kanye, um, or this guy who won't, won't ever, you know? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I think I kept thinking about how convincing he seems because sure. you, you look, I mean, you know, Mike is best friend. That's one thing. But then these actors and these production meetings that they have, like he's able, he's able to sell this to them because there's sure. no way they're just going to you know go out in the cold wisconsin mm-hmm. winter and, and they and all say that too they're just like he's so passionate and he like uh and then one guy says i can give up a few weekends to help him realize his dream right and everyone's just like he's gonna do it he's gonna do it he even convinces his family you know like his dad was eventually sort of like on board yeah and, and eventually obviously his uncle was who left him fifty thousand dollars in his will when he passed away to finish yeah. his film where's that film yeah i don't think he ever finished it no he finished Coven, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. I forgot. I forgot to mention that um, when Chris Smith met Mark Borchard, Mark had actually he had stopped coming to the class, but he he was there. I forgot. I think he was there, like working on something else. He was using the equipment. He told Chris Smith that he said, "I don't take your class anymore, but I still use the university's equipment," <laughs> <laughs> which he obviously is not supposed to. Um, and then the interviewer asked Chris Smith, did he get caught? And he's like, oh, yeah, he definitely got caught. He got caught shortly after that. And um, he basically, like, they made him do community service, like 80 hours of community service or something on the university grounds doing something. I don't remember what. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. It's yeah. kind of like Ver- Werner Herzog made, um, uh, was it a Gary Wrath of God with a, a, a camera he stole from this film school he dropped out of. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know about Kanye, but I think I think Werner Herzog is probably a better comparison because I think he d- has the same kind of uh, maniacal genius. Yeah, you know that that, yeah, that requires I don't know about you the to... genius, though. <laughs> well, okay, all right. That's let's set, let's set aside the genius aspect, but just the 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 vision, yeah. and the ability to tell other people about it and get them excited, or get, at least to yeah. get them on board. Yeah, you know, I mean, the scale. It's a little different to, to you know get give him like a few weekends versus traveling to a, a harsh jungle and, you know, nearly mm-hmm. kill yourself. That's the, the, they're different sort of levels of filmmaking, obviously, and commitment, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, it's just, but the root is the same as the, as you have to tell people what you're doing and why you're doing it and why they should help you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. Uh, you know. I think Mark is a couple, like somewhere there's some knob, you give it just a couple clicks and he's very successful. Yeah. He, like he, cause yeah. he, you know, I, you're, the Werner Herzog comparison is 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 one that you know from a few steps back would be really hard to make, but I see, I understand exactly what you're saying because he is he's to be to create something that no one else has created before that's going to be large scale. You have to be all into it. You don't, yeah. 
you know, mm-hmm. you have to have a belief that the world's going to need what you want. I mean, that's that. Otherwise, how could you do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Especially when it's going to cost you so much. Right. I don't all just you, mean all finance, your time and all your financially. Money. I mean, it's like Kevin Smith. Friendships. You know, he just to make clerks, he got every credit card that would approve him and just maxed them all out. He just went all in. He's just like, this is either going to work or I'm fucked. Right. You know, that takes right. a certain kind of passion, dedication, insanity, whatever you want to call it. Well, that's the other thing, too, is that if you don't succeed, you're insane. And if you, if you succeed, <laughs> right. you're genius. Yeah, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's the unfair, unfair thing. Because there's plenty of people who've sunk everything into trying something. Sure. And ended okay. up nowhere. On that you note, know. can we can we fast forward to the movie itself, the, the Coven movie, and sure, <laughs> do like, like a mini Co- review of that movie? <laughs> mm-hmm. the Coven. Wait, but we didn't see the whole thing. I've yeah, seen it. Wait, what? That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> no, I, I don't remember it it's, very it's well. Really I thought that short. was snippets. <laughs> no, that uh, was snippets. That wasn't the whole. Oh, thing. that wasn't, wasn't the, whole the whole thing. thing? No, so, no, no. It, it it's like okay, twenty minutes so it was, long. So it was smash cuts. Is that why it was so confusing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They he didn't they didn't show the whole thing. You know, I just yeah. I didn't think about that until now, but I thought <laughs> I thought he made a really short movie. <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, okay. So there's a whole movie mm. that they, they just they showed us key scenes or scenes that we saw him making. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah, it's like a half hour long or something. Okay, it's a half okay. But it's still not a yeah, it's not like an hour and a half. It's a, it's it's, no, it's no, on no, the short it's, side. It's still short. Yeah. Okay. It's not a feature. I used to have when I so when this movie came out came out in 99 I moved to New York in 2000 and in like in 2001 or 2002 I went to a Halloween party um at this guy's apartment he lived in it was it was actually um Eddie Hemingway I don't know if I've ever I think I've spoken of him on the show I'm not sure he's Ernest Hemingway's grandson and uh he's a pretty successful children's uh uh book writer now he writes and uh, illustrates he's a artist hmm. but when i met him he was waiting tables at a bar that i hung out at anyway um so he lived in this beautiful loft not beautiful kind of rundown loft but it was gigantic and it was like the sort of thing i always imagined a new york loft looked like just from watching movies like big <laughs> like, and stuff yeah or... kevin bacon and quicksilver <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yes yes that's a perfect example i never actually thought of that that's exactly what this guy's apartment was like it was huge huh. you know it was just gigantic and he had like four roommates and they had they had put up walls to make rooms and stuff anyway so he had a halloween party and i dressed as mark borchard and i had a backpack full of vhs copies of coven i gave to like everyone i ran into (laughs) but i still i don't have it i don't have it anymore i mean i have i have the dvd here and it has it has the whole thing on it as a special feature but i haven't watched it since then yeah (laughs) it's a pretty easy costume Yeah, you get the. Get there the was one, and one, one person recognized me at the party. <laughs> one person looked at me and said, "Are you Mark Borchard from American Movie?" I said, "I am." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a like a time capsule time capsule aspect for me because, like, when he's watching the you know the Packers win the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. sure. I was in Green Bay, you know, watching, you know reveling with with everybody else and Packers winning and all that stuff and yeah um which it just seems like a, such a long time ago and and so when he's he's like 30 and I'm probably 20 at this time or something anyway yeah it, it obviously it's there's going to be a lot of nostalgic things or you know it's we're it's we're from the area you know it seems like people we know 
yeah. kind of sound like some people we know, you know, the <laughs> accent and all that stuff. Yeah. But just, yeah, I mean, the just the familiarity of the, you know, the, the, the whole context of it is, is just very sure. sort of... And for, for any of our listeners who this is their first episode, all three of us all grew up in Wisconsin. <laughs> in the same small town of yes. Bristol. I never grew up. You never grew up. Okay. We all got we taller got larger. Yeah. In, um, <laughs> in Bristol, Wisconsin. Yeah. Which was um, only about, about a half, what, maybe 30, 40 minutes south of Menominee Falls. Yeah, yeah. Not even. You'd have to drive, take the back roads or something, but yeah, it's it's not that yeah. bad. Yeah, it's pretty close. So it strikes a chord, right? Kind of. Yeah, I, I I'm kind of lost where I was going with that. Just sort of, but there's something about the 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 setting of it. It's just like, um, you know, the clothes that they're wearing. The <laughs> yeah, you know, the Metallica he's playing. Mike is Mike is a whole thing. Yeah. Um, he he adds a lot to just sort of like <laughs> the guy that's that's just sitting there and yeah. Um. Anyway. It's it, it's funny how you just sort of well I was trying to remember what I thought of it when I saw it which yeah. would have been right about then ninety nine mm-hmm. and I think that I think the main thing is like the way he approaches it because he's so all in yeah. and he's so hell bent he has to make it and he has to make it big and he wants to he, like the lifestyle stuff and yeah. like, this is going to be his thing and he's going to do this um, as someone who <laughs> has had various dreams over the years and not done it for a living. I just, I just kept thinking, well, why, you know, why, why does he just have a paper route? Why doesn't he have a yeah. job and then do this on the side? You know, right. like, why is he, what makes him different that makes him so sure that this is what he has to be doing? And I, I know he doubted himself. You can see him doubting himself throughout the movie, but it seemed like he, like there was a core belief that was tied to, you know, success and doing this, being, being this yeah. artist, this art yeah. filmmaker. And also like this sort of sort of um what's the word you know it's like the there's also like a a sort of a narcissistic narcissistic aspect of it where here's a guy with three kids you know and he still refuses to get a real job yeah because he's pursuing this dream he doesn't want to work in a factory or whatever and because nobody does but people do it because they have to because they have responsibilities Mm -hmm. or they have people to take care of you know and and not you know, I don't say he has to work in a factory, but a fucking paper route. I mean, yeah, that, that's not. I mean, enough. that's it's like the least job you could possibly have. I can't. And I mean, later, unless, he, unless he was yeah. babysitting, you know, that's like the only thing I can think of that's lower, not lower, but just like less committed, less, well, yeah. less I mean, committed, <laughs> less financially, uh, like less able to support himself or anyone financially. I mean, he's talking all the time about all the bills he has. And he still refuses to get a real job, and and in that, I I you know in that in that aspect I find sort of unfortunate, you know. Yeah. That we well, got that short gig at the cemetery, which is kind of right. perfect. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wait, what does he say? I'm thirty. I realize I'm thirty years old, and I'm about to clean up someone else's shit. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's but, but he's so. He's so um, eloquent, or not eloquent, but he's so he's waps, waxing, right? Whatever. I mean, he's talking about that as if it's some great thing. Like a lot of people clean up shit. A lot yeah. of people do these things, and that's what you know. That's they make a living at it. And right, right. He, but I, he's, I, I, he saw himself as something else, something more. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what that's why I mean the nar- sort of narcissist 
narcissistic yeah. aspect. And it, you know, like also they, we don't, they, we don't know anything about his work history. Like we don't know if he doesn't have a job because no one will hire him or if he keeps losing jobs cause he can't keep yeah. them. We know he was or, in the army for, we know he's in the three army. Years, yeah. I think, I mean, you'd think if you can, if you can handle being in the army, you can't, it shouldn't be able to handle a job. And why not? Like, I always wonder this too. Like he's a movie freak. So just like get him, get a job at a video store, like Quentin Tarantino, at least you're around the thing you love, you know, Yeah. Mm-hmm. work in a movie theater, uh, whatever. I don't know. Do something, you know, it doesn't have to be a factory. It can be something else, just like a steady paycheck. So you could, you know, feed your kids. And not yeah, borrow gas money from your mother, you know. <laughs> I was watching it now. I was like, you know, what happened to those poor kids? Mm-hmm. You know, like here, here we are. You know, twenty some years later, like, like, how did that work out? You know. Yeah. And of course, we know what happened to him. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but the timing of this, of this, is just a little bit off. <laughs> from our normal. Oh, Maybe yeah, because yeah. Cause, cause Mike is passed away, um, you know, a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Cohen, did you know that? Uh, when I picked it? Yeah. Yes, I did. Okay. Because I, cause I didn't know it until I finished the movie and I looked everything up and then I was like, oh, man, yeah, Mike, Mike. Me too. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, I, heard, I, I read yeah. something about it when it happened. Like it happened around, Hall- right before Halloween, I think. Yeah. Mid-October or something. And Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I don't think there's. It doesn't matter whether you knew it or not. I was just curious because, you know, I guess, of our yeah, our track record of, <laughs> of accidentally murdering, accidentally people. murdering people <laughs> by merely mentioning them in our, our yes. show. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's a real bummer. Um, everybody liked Mike and yeah, and you I, know he was on the David Letterman show and he was kind of, you know, I was happy for him. You know, just yeah. that he was. This this meant something to him. Yeah, it's fun. He seemed like a pretty genuine dude who seemed to act, like happy in the world. You know, his that scene of him screaming though, man, that's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> that cracked me up. And then seeing Mark Borchard laughing, you know, like he he recognized how awesome it was. He's like, dude, yeah. that was wicked. Yeah, because there's like there's like what four or five people screaming before yeah. that, and then yeah. he and then he, he steps up. Yeah, brings the house awesome. down with a scream. Yeah. <laughs> And if you haven't seen it, um, Mike, um, how do, what's his last name? Shank. Shank, Shank. is very soft spoken. <laughs> you know, like he, you know, barely opens his mouth when he talks, and then he opens his mouth, and this horrific scream comes out of it, <laughs> which makes it even better. Just so unexpected. Yeah, it's so loud too, and like so high pitched. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's a legit scream queen kind of yeah, scream. Yeah, man. man, that guy yeah. missed. I guess he should have. People should have hired him just to scream in like, I don't know, any mm-hmm. sort of, any audio only thing, animated films, you know, <laughs> whatever <laughs> audio books, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Mike also gets credit for the the music in the movie because yeah. he plays right. most of it mm-hmm. on his guitar and plays mostly Metallica and whatever, some classical stuff. Yeah. But I think that's cool. And, you know, he's, he's more than just a, an extra, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, they, uh, yeah, they make a great combo because they're so different. Yeah, they really are. I mean, the, like the thing they have in common is the the drugs and alcohol. Like, yeah, but but they're but, so yeah. different. I well, mean, I mean, we we only see Mike sober, and right, apparently right, he went yeah. twenty seven years sober. Yeah, 
you know he never yeah, he never went awesome. back after that so yeah and he spent all his time volunteering at the local um like yeah, chapter of Alcoholics Anonymous or uh, Anonymous or uh, mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah I guess he uh, when I read he passed away from some sort of extremely rare cancer yeah I was oh so when he when he passed away I read a couple of blurbs articles about it and one of them I was reading what sort of uh, people had tweeted I guess about him and one of them was from um Edgar Wright, uh, who directed um, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, those movies. And he he said that um, him and Nick Frost and Simon Pegg were all huge fans and used to watch the movie, like, weekly. Yeah. And at one point, they were watching it, and they realized, finally, they didn't realize before, but they had put Mike Shank's personal telephone number in the extra features on the DVD, which I forgot to go check and see if it's still there, <laughs> if, it, if that's accurate, on, at least on my copy. I forgot to look. And so they called him one night, and he answered, and they explained, They said who they were, and they had, he said they talked for like a half hour, and he's just like a really nice dude, and they had a really great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know it was left on there. I thought it was intentional, because... It was like the Mike Hotline or something, because right? Know, no, I, yeah, no, I know. I, I don't mean. I didn't mean it. It's just I didn't mean. But they, it you're saying that's accident. how they just, came across it. Yeah, that's how they they found it. They didn't realize okay. it was there until they were looking through the extra features and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> his number's here. He's right here." And they're like, "Is it his real number?" And so they called it. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, yes, it is or was. Yeah, I don't know. Does he have a job in the movie? I don't know if he is. I, they don't really, really say. Talk about that, but. Yeah, I, I, the the sort of the brief things I read was just that he was um, really active in his local alcohol, Alcoholics Anonymous. I can't seem to say that. Uh, like the local, I don't know, it was a church or something that hosts, but he was always volunteering there and doing stuff with them. Mm-hmm. And then that didn't say anything about a job. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he's hanging out and his buddy is drinking beers all the time. So that's not easy either, you know, like. To, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Be around him, but he, but he, yeah, he seemed to love that. He certainly seemed to love Mark, and yeah, feel like they were doing something fun. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought I thought it was really interesting how everyone's so supportive of Mark Mark's film stuff. Right. You know, yeah. Everyone like the the Kenny kid and the, not a kid, but uh, you know, I don't know, like everyone except for except for his one brother. <laughs> yeah, right. his one brother who just like, oof. He just doesn't say nice things about him. <laughs> the one with the kind of wavy, longish hair, you know, okay. slightly more effeminate. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I, I mean, he's got a couple brothers, and they. I. I don't know. Did they say what they do for a living? It doesn't really say. No, I, just, I, just, I don't think they really said. Okay. But like, there's there's an interesting dynamic going on there too that they could have probably delved deeper into, and mm-hmm. probably would have if Mark himself wasn't such an interesting character, you know. But when you got someone like that, it's like, you know, the things going on with his parents and his uncle, like there was some interesting dynamics going on there that they they touched on, but they don't really go into because I guess they didn't really need to. Yeah. It it seemed like they boiled it down to this was how he got into horror in general. Right. I mean, that's how I read it, it was like all the like he took ref, refuge in, in horror films yeah, because I guess. there was a lot of shouting and stuff at home and they you know and they just sort of went to his yeah you know I, yeah i don't think i think they could have delved into that more just to kind of explain his point of view but mm-hmm. or why his point of view was different than his brother's maybe you know yeah 
but by the time we see them that you know they're we see both parents right we see yeah sure yeah so they're both supportive they're still around everything's fine it's just that well they don't i don't know if everything's fine not, they make it they make it together, like they're basically separated yeah they're separated but i mean they're you know it's a functional sort of family yeah. yes yeah i don't know yeah i was curious about that too i was like i would like to know exactly what yeah what he says attributed what to what or you know i don't know i guess it doesn't matter but yeah well yeah and we guess that that's the whole thing is that he's he like you said before he's the on-screen gold now if he became super successful and you're going to make a separate documentary about him you're definitely mm. going to want that because that's mm. you know hearing that that childhood strife as the source of inspiration you know like Kurt Cobain okay. or something is is you know people always want to know that like like how did this person become special you know right it's like oh they they rose up out of adversity you know yeah um, yeah but that's not what this movie's about right at all. because we're not we're not really taking him seriously as a filmmaker we're just saying I mean I, we are and we aren't it's kind of like we're, it's, we're fascinated by this because he is so driven. Yeah. And, yeah, and funny. It's just, you know. Yeah. And he, he, like, he says all the right things, you know, when someone, yeah. in the beginning, someone says, what, what's, um, they say, what's Coven? And his <laughs> response is very pointed and specific and right, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like, he, he speaks as though he's like an ad executive trying to sell it and everything he says is right. And that happens a lot where he, when he, when he's talking about film and filmmaking, he really sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. You know, when he references other films like Seventh Seal and things like that, you know, like he's clearly, I love that. I love when when, uh, he's going through his bills and he's like, well, luckily it's only $80. What are they going to do? Like take my night of the living dead book or <laughs> i forgot what the book was actually i don't know if it was my living dead or yeah but, yeah i think that might yeah i think it's like evil dead 2 something or yeah i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well he said and so the, his influencers are like what texas chainsaw massacre uh what else does he say he says dawn of the dead night dawn of the living dead, dead texas then, chainsaw massacre okay I think are the three he mentions, and I think the one, I mean Texas Chainsaw especially is the low budget. Yeah, you, you know that that makes sense because he saw someone who had similar vision, yeah. low budget, made a horror movie. Yeah, I mean Night of the Living Dead super low budgets in black and white. You know, so clearly he's yeah. I guess that's you know. that all fits together. Yeah, I really like the scene too where you remember when he's sick, and his mom's you know he says, "Can you make me some coffee? I gotta you know I gotta get out of this bed." And then it cuts to his next production meeting where it's just him and another guy and he's complaining about it. And he's, and he says something really funny, but it's also pretty, pretty insightful. He says, you know, no one's ever paid money to go to a movie to see an excuse. (laughs) You know, I've never gone to a movie and seen a black frame and then an apology where someone said, you know, if I just wish if these certain circumstances would have aligned, you know, you'd see what I, what the shot, you know scene here and he says I've been to the movies hundreds of times and that has never occurred <laughs> that, really, that really cracks me up it was um, it made me laugh when um, when he was talking about when that missing little segment of film you know was he's trying to trying to edit yeah. uh, Govin and uh, and uh, he's like you know people don't want to see this much film when it's supposed to be this much <laughs> And it reminded me of when we saw the, uh, the, the, what was that food, uh, 
The sausage party. The sausage, oh, party. sausage party. <laughs> oh, when they had the well, yeah, you didn't you have saw it. Finished. We didn't, but yeah, the, oh, it was like yeah, black and white or finished. Yeah. No, they they had they had sketches in there. Some of them not even animated. <laughs> like all the all the words would still be going, but it would just be one you know one sketch, like just pencil sketches of like a taco, you know. <laughs> and it was still funny because it had all the, the words to it and all the you know all the audio was there, but it had, they hadn't finished it yet. So yeah, I, that made me think of think of that at uh, South by Southwest seeing, seeing that nice. premiere for that unfinished premiere. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and like when he says, I mean the the ADR, he he calls it something instead of automated dialogue replacement, but yeah. additional you know, uh, additional dialogue recording, recording he says. Yeah. Okay. I think that one of the things that's you know hindsight after this is here. This guy makes you know a documentary starring Mark. Just Mark being Mark. Mm -hmm. It's really successful. But afterward, Mark has no way of actually capitalizing on that. Of no way of stepping back and looking at it and be like, hey, this is all it takes is just me being me yeah. to become successful. Like, like he's, you know, like I said, he's crazy in some ways, but he's also... Like, you know, we said, he, you know, sometimes I'll come, but he's also quick on his feet, you know, yeah. like, yeah. like his, his answers, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, like the cross. Why is it a sign of voodoo? He's like, it's an unnatural cross, Mark. You know? yeah. <laughs> what do you think? When Jesus was hanging there, he thought it was natural. That's good. I mean, that's, that's yeah. like, you know, and that's what makes the movie is that this guy is so fast speaking, you yeah. know, that in, in. So, so just naturally amusing, you know, no matter what mood he's in. Yeah. And yet he couldn't ever take that and use it to, to make the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think that's just because he's behind the camera or do you think that's because there's something else that he was supposed to be doing? I mean, other than act, like you're not saying he, he could have been an actor, but just saying like the spark that he had didn't translate to success for him. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying is that he clearly has this spark that people want to watch. The people are okay mm -hmm. watching him. Like he's, yeah. you know, they both get on Letterman, you know, right. and they both like they both, you know, the, the film is acclaimed, you know, uh, the, you know, you, I don't know, you guys read the snippet where, where, you know, he said by Wednesday and during Sundance, you know, it was us and Blair, which everyone was talking about. And of course, at 10 minutes, the value of the, yeah. the, the film went up $500,000, you know, like <laughs> people wanted this, people immediately recognized that, and that's, and it's not just because it was a good documentary filmmaker who knew how to put together a documentary. It's, mm. it's also because Mark is so amusing or such an interesting character to watch like, yeah like, i mean in, in any other in a lot of other circumstances there'd be a sequel you know like ernest ernest got sequels and ernest is nowhere near <laughs> mark ernest. don't you agree with that yeah okay you know, he's like ernest is your guy so he is I don't know. Than, than I mean, I will say that Ernest Goes to Camp is shockingly funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the other ones are all terrible, as I recall, but that one was kind of funny. 
Well, this one's funny too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I think Sam, you made a good point because the way I was thinking of it, when I, when I saw it in 99, I remember it being kind of mean spirited. It felt, it felt more mean. And, and this time around, I didn't feel that. Maybe that's just like, like the first time I saw it, it felt like more of a joke. Like the whole thing seemed more yeah. of a joke. Like it's a joke on, you know, this guy and isn't he funny and, and he's kind of delusional and, you know, it, from a certain point of view, you could say that. But this time I didn't see it that way at all. I just saw it like, well, it's kind of too bad he didn't have more resources and have more, yeah. you know, more ability to, to do the things, to, to see his dream. Because he, he obviously wants it and he obviously, he does talk, you know, he does talk about filmmaking knowledgeably as far as, I mean, go and tell me where he didn't but otherwise it sounded good to me you know the you know the sure the splicing and all the yeah the, the camp you know all the stuff he was talking about all the yeah yeah yeah, everything, on, that's, on what, that's what I said earlier. Like everything he says is accurate. Like he knows yeah. what he's talking about. Right. He knows how to use. I mean, at the time, it's not so unheard of. Now it's pretty unheard of. Uh, you know, he knows how to use all the equipment, which is not <laughs> as straightforward as you might think when it comes to like having a soundtrack on your film. He's doing it all himself. So clearly he has knowledge. It's not the easiest thing in the world to edit a, a film, a movie, you know, a, a, edit a film on film with the mm -hmm. sound and everything. He's doing right. it all himself. Yeah. So he knows what he's doing for sure. Yeah. Doing the sound takes with his, with his uncle and yeah, yeah. Recording all that stuff. And you know, I mean, yeah, he's not, <laughs> I'm not he's... sure what I will say. It's kind of odd that he had to have his uncle Bill in the car when he was recording him in a moving moving car like his actual shot is like a moving car and then he you know puts the dialogue in but why is he sitting in a car when he does it it's like i i actually i i always you see why i, I had this i had this impression that his uncle bill was like leaving oh he just caught him on the way out he just caught him like it's the only way he'd do it i don't know that i, I don't know why i think that that's just like the the feeling i got watching it he was on his way out uh, or something, and and he's just like I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I mean, who knows? I mean, you can make it <laughs> make an argument that that was that's a, the right thing to do. He's got a directional mic and he's pointing it into sure. you know like the acoustics of a car, and and I don't know about the car noise itself, but I mean, <laughs> but when you see, I mean, there was a moment when I was why I was, why I was saying we we could talk about the movie itself is because the first couple shots and the first like minute or so of the of the actual movie, like seeing the shots that he put together and seeing where it is in the film made me kind of, you know, it was kind of an aha, like, Oh, okay. That's how, that's why I did that. And you know, it's, yeah. I mean, he's making an actual movie. It's not like it's, it's not bad. You know, there's not this, it's not yeah. necessarily bad. But, I, you want, I've I always, I've, I've always wished they would have sort of discussed his feature Northwestern a bit more. Mm -hmm. They never, they never really talk about what it's about. Right. You know, and I know it's not, I know it's like a, just from reading about it, I have a rough idea. It's sort of autobiographical a little bit. And it's like a, like a straight dramatic narrative kind of film. It's not a horror or anything. It's not genre. But they don't really get into it much, which I always thought was kind of unfortunate. I always wondered why they didn't, I mean, it's a yeah. whole, like, it's the subtitle of the film. Right. You know, the making of Northwestern. If yeah, yeah, we don't really learn anything about and it's it. His, his production and obviously, it's, obviously, American movie is not a movie about him making Northwestern. That's not what it's about at all. But still, I don't know. I always thought it was odd. I always thought that one little detail was odd. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, do you have something? Well, that's that's just to say is 
I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know who bought this documentary, like which which film company. But that's your sequel. You could give them some money and be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna film you making your next, you know, making Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Just watch what happens. <laughs> you know, like here you yeah. go. Here's your budget. We'll give you we'll give you the fifty thousand or the hundred thousand, and we're gonna. <laughs> You know, because see him, yeah. see him at work when he has a budget and see what happens that time. Yeah, he does have some issues with timeliness and and time management and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, if I notice, you know, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's something there's something about the the way he did, made these like he made a movie to make another movie. You know, like he thought that was his yeah. best chance of fundraising was to make right. this movie to make right. another movie, which <clears throat> is like crazy to me. And I, yeah, I feel like that's also like, I was just saying, we were just talking about how it seems like he knows what he's talking about. And then that is the one thing where he doesn't sound like he knows what he's talking about. Who's going to pay fourteen ninety five for a 20, you know, 30, 20, 30 minute short film. Right. Or, oh, right. You know, some has, people might, but yeah. 3000 people. Three thousand copies, and like there's just there's yeah. never really been much of a market for short films. It's never been why people do it. Nobody makes short films to make money. No one makes money on short films. There's just no market for it. Right. They make short films to enter in festivals. You know that to act as like a calling card. You know to lead to something else. So it's like you know it's it's their portfolio. Here's this film I made. I'm surprised he never did music music videos. I see that he's acted in some videos. Yeah, yeah, he's been in. A, he's been in. A, I'd say he's been in at least one or two things a year since this came out as an actor, yeah. like on camera. Yeah, I just I don't wonder if he would, but have, probably not enough to like pay the bills. I wouldn't think. No, none, none of them looked uh, very big. Right. One of them's called Small Town Wisconsin. He plays a store clerk. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. Um, the, the, the director or one of the directors, Chris Smith, um, he's, he's had a pretty successful career. He's probably his most well-known thing he's done is he executive produced, um, Tiger King. Yeah. I had seen when this came out, I, I sought out some of his other stuff. I saw American job. I was like, yeah, it's fine. And then, um, the documentary he made after this, after American movie, I forgot what it's called now. I saw that. He, he um, did the fire one, right? The fire festival. Yeah, he did fire. Okay. Well, there was two that came out at the, right around the same time. He did the one that was on Netflix, and then there was one on like Hulu, I think. Hmm. He did the Netflix one. I, I mean, never saw it. I didn't see it either. I heard about it, but you you heard about what happened in the in the fire festival more than you did the the documentaries. Yeah, if they were any good or not. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, I don't think that there's... I don't think you can put a... You can't really pin him down on what he, what he was meant to do. I don't think you can, meant to do. other in, Unless unless you're someone who's like, well, why can't, you know, you throw money at someone who's, who's a nobody and see what they can yeah. do. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess the question is, in, in this DIY kind of the more DIY stuff that, that happens now, could he have thrived a bit more now than he would have then? I always thought it was odd that like he, he's appeared, he's been a guest on several podcasts, but he, as near as I can tell, he doesn't have his own. 
Mm-hmm. Which is surprising because it's yeah, seems it like a good seems format like for him. Be, yeah, right up his alley. Like he's he's one of those people yeah. who just uh, uh, hey again, Mark, I, uh, <laughs> do a podcast. We'll <laughs> listen to it. Yeah, I mean it's something you can basically do for free. You know, like you don't. It doesn't really cost anything. A little bit if you want to, you know, have it hosted. But he's guested on a bunch. I've never listened to any of them. I'm curious. I mean, I guess it's possible he's just terrible at it, or maybe he has no interest. I don't know. It just seems like it'd be right up his alley. Like you're saying, Sam. I think as you said earlier, like what do you do with this guy? You know, like Mm -hmm. how do you capitalize on this? And that just seemed like the sort of thing. It's like. Kevin, I'm going to mention Kevin Smith again because I am reminded of, of him. This reminds me of him often because Kevin Smith is he's like a guy who made one pretty good movie, a couple of okay movies, and then a bunch of dog shit movies. Yeah, but he's turned it into a lifelong career. Yeah, yeah. and he's still he's making movies. Clerks, yeah. Clerks 3 is coming out like anyone gives a shit, but whatever. What he's really great at, though, is telling stories mm-hmm. verbally, like right. conveying stories verbally to people. He's great at it. If you guys have ever heard him speak, like any sort of, he does a lot of, he does a lot of like public speaking engagements, whether it be at festivals or whatever, he's fucking good at it. He's really good at it. That is his calling. Like that's his niche. That's what he's great at. And I think he figured that out, you know, like he, I, I remember when Daredevil came out, the first one with Ben Affleck, they, they offered it to him and he turned it down because he was a gigantic Daredevil fan and he didn't want to ruin it. <laughs> he's like he, he and he said he said I'm not a good enough filmmaker to do this justice. Interesting, because that first one was pretty damn bad. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it didn't really matter, Kevin. Come on. Anyway, <laughs> but you know, it, I mean, there's I feel like there's someone who's sort of self aware enough to realize what his strengths are. You know, right? And I, right. I, I and you, it, it, I'm hard pressed to imagine Mark Borchard is quite that self aware. You know. Right, and I think that's that's what we're that's what I'm getting at. It's like I, I feel like at first glance you were just making fun of this, but I don't think so. Because when after yeah, I saw you know Mike Shank had died, and then I was online a little bit, and I saw a bunch of people say that this is the movie they watch every Thanksgiving. Hmm. You know, like that's mm-hmm. it's their tradition. And right, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Because I've, you know, I know people that do, I, I watch the, a lot of the same movies at certain times, you know, like Groundhog mm-hmm. Day or whatever. But, mm-hmm. I mean, this has a little bit of Thanksgiving, maybe that's why they do it, but they like to revisit the the people on this, you know, and sort of go, sure. just, I don't know, just sort of, there's something, something soothing about it. And I was like, yeah, I get that. I can see why you'd watch this mm-hmm. on a regular basis, you know, just, but, and it wouldn't, and I, what I'm, I guess my point is, it wouldn't be to make fun of them. It would be because right. you're celebrating them. You're like, yeah, yeah. Mike and Mark and these guys and, you know, just this revisiting this time and it's right. fun. Sure. So I, I like that. I like that, that, you know, it's not some ironic sort of thing. It's just, it's like a real yeah. story about a guy that wants to make movies. Mm-hmm. I agree. So there's we no way to make movies. What's that? We've missed our calling to make movies. We did? Huh. <laughs> we made three movies. Uh, more movies. <laughs> Longer movies. <laughs> Longer movies. <laughs> and maybe after, you know, we were teenagers. Yeah. Um, for, for our listeners who are just tuning in, we, Sam, Sean, and I made three, a total of three, like, videos, mm. I guess you'd call them. <laughs> yeah. For, for school. At various points between the ages of what, like fourteen and seventeen, yeah. 
and uh, <laughs> they were when everyone they were, could. They were polished masterpieces. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, okay. For an example, let's 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 take old M Night Shyamalan. Yeah. So he he was doing what we were doing. He was making these action movies in his basement with his friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, not probably you know better than we were doing. I, I imagine, but <laughs> but he was like what? doing the, acting out the the fight scenes and you know sure. like a single camera and all that. And whatever whatever happened with him, you know, it 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 didn't make him go well. That's kind of a pipe dream or whatever. He you know he's like no no I'm gonna make movies. And and I I'm I don't consider myself a fan, but I can't you know deny that he has a a presence in the film community and he's and he's sure. made some decent films some. Well, he made you know one one like really really great film. Yeah. And he's just like Kevin Smith almost. It's like he made one he had like one almost masterpiece in him although I would dare never call Clerks a masterpiece, but it, you know it, like it it struck a chord. Yeah. You know, in popular culture and it's remembered. And Sixth Sense is the same thing, you know, like he just he he struck gold right early on and then he never really he never to me the thing about he never really grew as a filmmaker. He just kept doing the same thing. I agree. You know, he's just like, he's just only with diminishing returns because the ideas are getting more and more unoriginal or more or less interesting or whatever, you know, I always wondered if he was always into a big twist or it was just because his big movie had a huge twist. I think it was because his big movie. I I feel like he felt, yeah, because he did some other stuff before that. He wrote some scripts and stuff that were just like. I forgot what, like a romantic comedy here. And, yeah, and like, like a straight yeah. movie. I would like to see him yeah, do just Yeah, he wrote movie. a few things here and there before The Sixth Sense came out. He sold like a script here or worked on, you know, did a rewrite on this or something. I don't remember what. I'd have to look it up. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I mean, once you make it a film that, that I mean, that was big. That was huge. The Sixth Sense was fucking huge. It was. Everybody you saw know, it. it. just it just catapulted him in the superstardom. And then it's like, well... I mean, it could be a what bit you, of both, like he kind like of pitched himself. Yeah, yeah. Like he, I'd, it, it just seemed like a, a follow-up album or something where you, yeah. people, people got to hear the hits, and so... Yeah. And maybe even... I, I also feel like there's a certain level of hubris involved, because, like, the fucking... What, what's the one, The Lady in the Water, where he yeah. casts himself as the writer whose stories are going to save the fucking world, <laughs> or whatever, you know? Like, dude, come on. Get over yourself. <laughs> that kind of shit, you know, I don't know. And always putting himself in his films, even though he's a terrible, terrible, terrible actor. Terrible. Uh, I mean, I can forgive a cameo here and there. No big deal. Yeah, but like in the signs, he had like a very pivotal role. What was he in signs? He was the guy who killed Mel Gibson's wife. Oh, and the truck yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and he has like this whole scene, this like emotional scene, and it's terrible because <laughs> he can't, he just can't do it, you know, like he's, it's not in him. And that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Not everybody's going to win a fucking Oscar for acting. No, not everyone's, you know, great at it and shit. But so don't put yourself in the role. Right. You know, find someone else, anyone else. But he did uh, win a bunch of awards. Yeah. Well, but he also like yeah. he, you know, he, he, he did, he, you know, he went to film school too. He went to NYU. Yeah. Right. You know, he didn't right. just like. a fluke or anything. Yeah. He did put in some work, legwork and shit and paid his dues and this and that. Yeah. What I like is that when he made his comeback kind of recently with this trilogy and whatnot um say what you will but he like put his own money into it again he sort of reinvested it in himself he's like you know what yeah I'm, I'm gonna try this again like he really went for it even though he was kind of 
down the ladder in terms of making movies. Like people weren't really betting on him anymore. They weren't, mm -hmm. he couldn't pitch stuff. And then, so he did his, you know, he just did it himself a lot. Yeah. I think if I'm got that story right, but mm -hmm. you know, he bet on himself is what I'm saying. And, and he, because he believed in that, he believed in that he could make more movies and, yeah. and, I, and even though I'm still annoyed that split, um, sorry for the spoiler. If you haven't seen it and you want to, but it's actually part of the trilogy and it's not, it's a, it's not a standalone movie. <laughs> it still gets me, but you know, he had a vision and he, and he completed it and he did it. So, yeah. So I respect him for that. Even if I don't like his movies very much. Yeah. What were we talking about before that? American movie. Uh, we were supposed to be talking about American movie. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, this is a movie for an older, slightly older audience. That's, kind of seen a bit of the world and knows it's not just, he's not just some goofy guy drinking yeah. beer and making movies. It's like, there is more, you know, like the fact that you, that he does have a family as strange as that is. And he has a, has a new girlfriend, which I thought was interesting too. She was kind of sweet and very yeah. supportive, obviously, but I wondered if she got something about him that, that we couldn't see or, you know, like there's, mm -hmm. I was interested in that relationship. Yeah. And she also seemed totally sold on his ability to get it done. Like she believed he would do it. She believed in him completely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I was like a cult leader, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe that's Seriously. what he should have done. He should have started a cult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He gets these people around him who are like, just believe in him. Yeah. Bizarre. I really like, I like uncle Bill a lot because sure. <laughs> everything you like, <laughs> you throw stuff off of him and he just like, Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. And he, and then like his, his thing at the end is, is, is kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of deep in a way. Like he's trying to talk to, he's trying to talk to Mark. Mm -hmm. Mark is just like, well, let's do the next movie, man. And you know, and Bill's like trying to tell him something about life itself. Yeah. And I don't know if he, if he watches that. I wonder if Mark watches that and, 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 realizes what he was what he was really trying to talk what, what bill was trying to say yeah you know i mean like there's the funny like okay there's bill in the bath and let's <laughs> yeah you know it's fun and goofy and stuff but here's this this guy who's his brother says he's kind of a genius you know he's, he's he knows a lot of stuff and he's lived a long time and he has this money in the bank living in a trailer for some reason i guess to save money because he doesn't like to part with his money but I feel like there was like a lot more to that relationship that was kind of left undisturbed because what can you say about it other than, yeah, well, Mark kind of leaned on him a little bit to just try to get, get the money out of him. But you know, he probably just wanted to sit around and have a beer or whatever, and then <laughs> be left alone. You know, like you can tell he's kind of like, uh, <laughs> yeah. but he's not, he's not, he doesn't say no to anything. It's just that he's like, well, <laughs> no. yeah. you know, okay. And then what's going to happen? Oh, great. And then there's going to be a premiere. And I kind of like that. He actually goes to the premiere and gets to, you know, yeah. See the movie and say, yeah, okay. There was a real movie. It wasn't just bullshit. Yeah. All right. What are we doing next? Are we all done? Wrap it up. Have we, uh, fade to black on the American movie? Right. Yes. 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 Um, okay. I can't really give you much in the way of hints. It's pretty obvious. 
Do you want to guess the year? Oh. Well, then. <laughs> I'll, guess guess the guess. I'll give you. But I mean, do you want to guess the year or should I just talk the year? I don't know. 1991. 98. <laughs> 1988. And. Oh, we're back to 88. It's, okay. There's, we're back to 88. Yeah. Um, it's a director we've done at least once before. Actor we've done before. And. Um, it's a uh, temporally relative. It's a uh, this time of year. Eighty-eight. Is it a Christmas movie? It may be a Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. Is it a comedy? Is it, it is a comedy? A Christmas movie? Is it Christmas story? No. Oh, sorry. Is it Christmas Vacation? No, it's not that one. Uh, um, eighty-eight. We'll give it an eighty-eight. What else? Can we I already did Die Hard. Yeah. It's a little meta. It's a little bit about mm. of, it's in the spirit of American movie, but, you know, making something about making something. It's a little bit like that. <laughs> Although it's, it's mainly for laughs. It's not like deep. Well, I don't know. Call it deep or not. I'm drawing a total blank. It's, okay. Oh wait, the, the holiday thing's what's fooling me. Okay. Well, um, why don't I give you the, uh, no, 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 Trying to give but you something it's not a documentary. No, it's not. I mean, it's a it's little. Not. It's like a fantasy comedy movie. Scrooged. It is Scrooged. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't I say Bill Murray. And I couldn't old. say. I could have said Richard Donner, but that would you would have got that in two moves. Uh, I wouldn't have actually because I, I forgot Richard you Donner did directed Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, I probably should have yeah. told you Richard Donner. That's all right. But yeah, I thought Scrooge season. was later. It never would have come across my. My 1988 radar. Right on. That's a good one. That's funny. Finally getting that Bobcat Goldthwait in there. There we go. I should have said (laughs) Bobcat Goldthwait. There you go. Uh, I'd have got it it immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's on... uh, I think it's free on Prime. Amazon Prime if you have Prime. Yeah, I think it's Prime or... One of the one of the freebies it's with on commercials. Par- it's on Paramount, Pluto Param- with commercials probably. Okay, Pluto and and Paramount. Yeah, I'll probably watch Sweet. on Prime. Yeah, me too. Prime viewing. Speaking of Prime, this was a Prime episode. Sure was. Our best one yet. Yeah. It was optimally Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, it was. <laughs> Well, uh, okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I was going to say something about <laughs> Autobots roll out or some shit like that. Oh. Oh. Yeah, there's Wait, another man. one of those coming. Yeah. Oh, boy. That's what the world Yay. needed. <laughs> yeah, the world needed another one of those. <laughs> All, right. All right. That's enough movie buff. I'm out. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. See you for Scrooged. That's the film with your brains. Funny.